we cannot uh, really uh, X studies are really important, uh, even though we cannot really follow uh, literally and exactly what the early uh, church Christians uh, did, because it, it was not to be repeated anyway. It wasn't repeated, but at least we uh, have to understand what the early uh, Christians uh, were thinking of, and also what was the spirit uh, that guided uh, their uh, decisions and their thinking and. I mean, uh, that spirit is continuing in our lives too. So as a Christian, how should we live? Uh, even though we don't literally follow exactly what they did. For example, uh, we don't do uh, any more um, selling all our possessions and bring, bringing them uh, at the feet of uh, the apostles. We don't do things like that. And also, uh, even, even though you do uh, something like uh, what uh, Ananias and Sapphira did, you're not going to be uh, killed. Uh, it's a very unique situation in the early church community, but we have to understand the spirit of what was going on uh, there. I think that's very important. The apostles, uh, okay, let's, uh, I mean, we, let us uh, re kind of construct uh, the early church community, what uh, it was like. Let's say Peter uh, preached the gospel and then First time uh, on uh, on the day of Pentecost, the three thousand people got converted, and then second time uh, he preached the gospel after healing the uh, the born lame, uh, five thousand people uh, got converted, and then just uh, that number is eight thousand. Uh, so uh, probably there were then uh, more than ten thousand people. Uh, and 10,000 people would have sold all their possessions and uh, bring, uh, brought them uh, their uh, pro uh, the, uh, prophets at apostles' feet. Maybe not, but a lot of them, a lot of them uh, did it. Uh, and probably the representative person was uh, Barnabas. And Barnabas may, uh, might be the one who started. Uh, we don't know exactly, but his name was uh, named. Uh, all other names we don't know. And Ananias and Sapphira, uh, they wanted to be like Barnabas without really giving sacrifice uh, uh, 100%. So there was a deceit already, uh, kind, of, uh, uh, kind of faith, which is not pure. Uh, so we saw that. So then let's say they all, a lot of them brought their money. They sold their uh, uh, property and then brought their money to uh, apostles. Then it's a pretty big amount of money, a lot of money. We're not talking about uh, just a few dollars. It's a, a pretty big uh, amount. And then it must have been very difficult to uh, take control of their finance. Uh, but apostles, uh, only 12 people did all that. Not only that, they not only collected the money, but they distributed according to the needs of the people. That takes a lot of time because there are so many people. And then the apostles, they were so busy and they made a mistake. It is not a corruption. You don't see corruption here. It's not because the apostles had greed and it took away some money. It wasn't corruption. It was just administrative mistake. And that mistake was that, uh, Hellenist uh, uh, widows did not 
get that benefit, daily distribution. So they were uh, kind of upset. Then as uh, Simon a uh, little bit uh, uh, mentioned, you have to understand uh, the situation at that time. What is this Hellenist? And what is uh, these Hebrews? Are they Jews or not? And I believe that they're all Jews. Hellenists and Hebrews, they're all Jews. But one is Hellenistic Jews and the other was Hebraic Jews. So you have to understand the history of uh, Israel a little bit here. As you uh, know, Israel was uh, 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 taken into captivity, uh, Babylonian captivity, you all know that. And then uh, after Babylonian captivity, Persian uh, kind of invaded uh, Babylon and then it became uh, Persian uh, captivity. So a lot of Jews were taken away from their home. And then they live in the foreign land. And then a lot of them returned, but also a lot of them didn't return. Uh, they just lived. So they were scattered. Uh, they were taken away. So some people were taken away by force. Uh, they had no choice. But some people also chose to uh, move away. So there were a lot of uh, people who lived outside of uh, Jerusalem outside of Israel line, uh, land, uh, Jewish land. And we call them, what do we call them? What is name for the, those people? Diaspora. Diaspora. They are called diaspora. D-I-A-S-P-O-R-A. They are called diaspora. And so all these uh, uh, diaspora around uh, the uh, Jewish land. But in, interestingly, all these diaspora people, they all wanted to come back home somehow, especially at the end of their lives. They wanted to die in Jerusalem, uh, their homeland. So a lot of them came back to uh, Jerusalem. So they estimate one out of 10 people were uh, diaspora. Diaspora is different from proselyte. Okay, uh, Nikolai is a proselyte. That's a, is a, is a, is not Jew by uh, race, but they converted to Judaism. That is called proselyte. Do you understand? Are you following me? Jesus, you're following me? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Good. Uh, so, I mean, uh, so this uh, diaspora, uh, one out of 10 people uh, were diaspora. That's a lot of people. Okay, then how is it structured? Okay, there was a temple, they went to the temple and they did sacrifice all that, but also at the same time, there were synagogue movement. Synagogue movement is like, uh, they don't uh, do the sacrifice, but in synagogue, they learn Torah, the word of God, and they gathered together and prayed. So uh, they did uh, this kind of things at a synagogue. 
of, of course, at synagogue, they don't give sacrifice, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the uh, atonement sacrifice and all that stuff. So then there were synagogues, then it's like there were, I mean, Hellenistic Jews, culturally, they're Greeks because basically Hellenism uh, absolutely controlled the whole uh, territory. So whoever lived uh, outside of uh, uh, the Jewish land, they were all influenced by Greek culture, Hellenistic culture. So they were influenced by Hellenism. And also these spoke Greek. So Greek speaking uh, Jews and Aramaic speaking Jews. So they didn't, uh, a lot of them didn't uh, speak uh, Hebrew. They spoke uh, Aramaic. So, so these are two languages. It's, it's like a first generation and second generation in Canada. They're first generation Christians and uh, second generation Christians, uh, all that. So anyway, are you following me so far? Yeah, okay. So then there were Greek speaking synagogue and there were Hebrew speaking or Aramaic speaking synagogue. Within Greek speaking synagogue, what kind of people would be there? Diaspora Jews. Diaspora Jews, but among them, there were diaspora Jews. They're all diaspora Jews, but among them, who were there? There were Messianic Jews. We call them Christians. They didn't have named Christians by then. They were called Messianic Jews. And also in Aramaic speaking synagogue, who will be there? They're Hebrew, uh, 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 the, the, the Hebraic Jews, but also at the same time, Messianic Jews were there too. But they were Aram Aramaic speaking Messianic Jews. Okay, you follow me? Veronica, a little confused? Any question before I go on? Yeah, I got lost there a little bit. So Messianic Jews are Christians. Are Christian. Yeah. And Aramaic speaking Jews. Unlike a Korean speaking uh, Koreans. Okay. And they're English speaking Koreans. Okay. Um, so, so there is Greek speaking community, basically synagogue and Aramaic speaking community. And in each community, there were just uh, Jews who spoke that language, but then among those Jews were like these Messianic Jews. So there are Greek speaking Messianic Jews in the Greek speaking synagogues, and then Aramaic speaking Messianic Jews in the Aramaic speaking synagogues. Okay. So those are basically Palestinian Jews versus like diasporic Jews. But then yeah. among them, there's just non-Messianic Jews and then Messianic Jews. Okay. You got it? 
So the Messianic Jews still went to the synagogue? Yes. So uh, you realize that Christians were not separated from Jews. Until then, they went to synagogue and worshiped. And then Sunday, they gathered together, broke bread, and they learned from apostles about their teaching separately. Do you understand? On Saturday, they went to a synagogue. You got it? Okay, so what happened today, I mean, before the, the second story, when you look at second story about Stephen, Stephen was a Greek speaking Jew, Greek speaking Messianic Jew. And he went to Freedman synagogue. And most likely they were all uh, people who are freed from slavery, somehow. And this freedmen uh, synagogue, they were, and most likely, I don't know, but my guess is that Saul from Tarsus, also part of that synagogue, freedmen synagogue. Because when you look at uh, chapter seven, all of a sudden Paul appears or later it becomes Paul, but uh, it's Paul. I mean, not he become, becomes Paul, but he was always Paul, Saul and Paul. Saul was Jewish name and Paul was Greek name. And then Saul was there and then Saul was part of that synagogue. Muksanya, I have a question if you don't mind. Yeah. Yes, so if they went to the, uh, the synagogue to worship, right, with the other, you know, all, you know, other just regular Jews, and then they gather together as a church themselves, right? Mm -hmm. So doesn't it cause some kind of a, like a conflict? Like uh, when they go to worship in synagogue, they, they want to have some teaching going on, right? Based on the, yeah. uh, the traditional thing, right? Yeah. And then they just listen and they just uh, assimilate what they're teaching. And then they, when they get there together as a first church, they're talking about something quite different. Like, mm. I don't know how they manage that difference between these two gatherings. So they keep it as like a secret as a being a first church and then they didn't express much. And when they get together as a first church, then they share what they really mm. believe. I, I mean, know, I'm a little confused. I mean, that's exactly what happened uh, in uh, Stephen's uh, synagogue. There was conflict uh... between Stephen and then other, uh, the, the Greek speaking Jews, uh, the diaspora. Okay. So the, this conflict uh, started in the diaspora congregation, diaspora mm -hmm. synagogue. Do you understand? Oh, okay. okay, that's why they argue so much. I was that's wondering. right, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, thank you. Yeah. Good, good, yeah. I mean, you need to reconstruct the early church community because the, the Christians were not separated uh, from uh, Jews uh, then. Okay, what happened was, so in, uh, when apostles, apostles took care of both Hebraic Jews and Greek uh, Jews, but not me only Messianic Jews, not everyone, 
not all the Jews, but Christians, uh, they, uh, they, they, they took care of Greek-speaking Christians and uh, Hebraic-speaking uh, uh, Christians. But because there are so many people, so much needs, that uh, apostles uh, somehow neglected taking care of uh, the Hellenistic Jews. And that's why Hellenistic Jews, uh, not widows alone, but Hellenistic Jews were complaining. Not widows uh, were complaining, but Hellenistic Jews, uh, th th there is a discrimination. Our widows don't get same benefit as Hebraic uh, Jews, uh, Hebraic Christians. That's why apostles, uh, uh, and then the apostles, the first thing they said was, it is not right to neglect the word of God. So they let go of their financial control. That's a huge, because financial uh, finance, uh, we, we saw that how much money influenced people. And then they let go of the financial control. And they uh, told them to choose seven uh, deacons or seven people, leaders, who can do that kind of work. And then we can see uh, the uh, essence uh, of the church at that, uh, apostles' attitude, uh, we can see. And so, uh, and then they said, uh, we will spend our time for prayer and then uh, teaching the word of God. You know, prayer and then teaching the word of God, it is the same, same thing. Uh, it's not, it cannot be separated. The word, teaching word of God is not really academic exercise. The spirit, through prayer, spirit gives the uh, word. So I want you to discuss together in your life, how can the word of God be not just concept, but the living power? How can the word of God be the living power? I want you to discuss that. And then they chose seven deacons. But the amazing thing is all seven deacons' names were Greek. In other words, they chose seven deacons all from diaspora, Greek-speaking Christians. What does that tell you? I mean, they could, uh, the Hebraic speaking, now uh, 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 Christians would have uh, uh, thought that, oh, if they're all uh, Greek speaking uh, Christians, then they will discriminate this time against us. They could have uh, thought that way. But somehow they all chose seven deacons from diaspora. Discuss together. Well, why? Uh, and oh, okay, uh, before I uh, say that, I need to give you a little bit background too. Okay, the apostles asked all the disciples. You think they uh, asked all 10,000 disciples? I don't think so. So I can assume that 
they were representative of these 10,000 people. Already there was a loose structure and then they were representative. They are not apostles, but they were representative Christians already. And in addition to that, they chose now seven people to take care of this finance and also distribution of food. So they were a kind of uh, structure uh, that they created uh, out of necessity. But these representative Christians, they chose all Greek speaking diaspora as seven deacons. Amazing. Their attitude was amazing. I, I want you to discuss together in what way is it amazing? Now, uh, the story uh, ends there. Uh, that, that's how they uh, deal, deal with, dealt with the problems and conflict. And then uh, there's a story of Stephen. Stephen, I said, uh, he's from the synagogue, Freedman Synagogue. And then uh, he's a uh, Greek-speaking Jew diaspora. And then he was arguing uh, with uh, people there as a, uh, June uh, asked. And then they could not withstand uh, Stephen's wisdom. But Luke, I think it's a pur purposeful. Uh, in, uh, when you look at Luke 21, 15, Simon, can you read that for us, please? Luke 21, 15? Yeah. Okay. Slowly read. Listen very carefully. For I will give you words and the wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. I mean, Jesus already predicted, prophesied. And uh, Stephen is doing exactly what Jesus said. They could not withstand uh, Stephen's wisdom and her words. And then people start doing lies, making lies. They accused falsely uh, Stephen. In the community, there is always, there are lies. There are people who spread lies or false rumors. Without really checking it out, they say things that, which are not true. There are always people uh, in the community. But what's the difference between healthy community and unhealthy community. We cannot stop people from doing, uh, spreading this false rumor. But what is the difference between healthy community and unhealthy community? What happens in the health community, healthy community, and what happens in the unhealthy community? Finally, Stephen's face was like fa the face of an angel. As Hejong asked, what does, it, uh, what does this mean? You know, our face shows what's inside of us. When you see angry person, you see anger on their face. 
When you see person struggling with darkness, there's darkness on their face. If there is a person who is uh, self-righteous, you can see that on their face. But when you see person who is humble and peaceful inside, you can see that on their face. So faith, faith shows what's in our heart. Uh, I went to Ohio, Columbus, and then I did a listening uh, lab there. So I stayed there for a week. And then uh, they uh, taught me uh, this about eye movement. When you look up right side, and then when you, uh, for example, I ask you a question, when you look up right side, that means something. When you look up left side and answer, that means something. When you look down and right side, that means something. For example, <laughs> oh, that person is feeling it right now. Or that person is creating a story. Or that person is just remembering the story. So you can see whether that person is lying or not. Because you're creating a story, that means you're lying. And that's how uh, sometimes police uh, use uh, to uh, interview. So our face and our uh, eyes show uh, who we are. When we don't have confidence, your eyes go all over the place. It's not focused. When you're in deep darkness, you're somewhere else somehow. Your eyes there, eyes are there, but I'm not there. So what does it look like to have angel's face? Okay, these are the questions. Enjoy them. Okay. Okay, are you all back? Okay, let's first talk about the first question. How can the word of God be the living power? Uh, is the word of God same as any other kind of knowledge that you get from books? And how can you understand passage like Hebrews uh, 4.12, the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. It judge, judges our thoughts and attitudes. What does that mean? Mm. Is it philosophical or religious concept? It's a new knowledge. Why they also felt that they needed to uh, focus on the word of God and prayer rather than distributing. I mean, the, to them, it seems to be so important. What does the word of God do? One thing some people in our group talked about was, yes, when uh, uh, there, we've been in situations where um, uh, just in very difficult times when 
we're in despair or feeling a little hopeless. Uh, there have been times where, yeah, the word of God just kind of has some power to um, lift our souls a little bit, to give us some hope, uh, to keep us going, um, that kind of thing. Yeah, in those situations. So in that situation, how did that word of God work differently from other concepts? It's something that strikes more at the, uh, the more core of our being. It's not just uh, something, well, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a good, uh, wise saying kind of thing. It has a power to uh, move us in a way. Yeah. Like when I uh, read to you about Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It even uh, divides the soul and spirit and judges our thoughts and attitude. What, what do you, what does it strike you? How does that strike you about the word of God? you're gonna say something well i was getting the image of something that is so powerful mm. and, and powerfully felt mm. um and there's a sense of instantaneous it's something mm. that it, it's like a bolt of lightning yeah it changes you from one state to the next like in a, mm. in a flash Mm. that much power mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes yes how about others who is the agent spirit spirit feels like um, um, word of God with the spirit. I said, I said it before too, word of God, when we read the word of God, there's like two things that has to be active. The Holy Spirit who's active and um, without, without our experience, what, what we felt before, we have, to, we have to have some kind of experience to understand or to to awaken so those our our experience and the the holy spirit kind of works together to make it make it happen mm. yeah so in other words you are not the agent the word of god is the agent The whole image is the word of God who does all these things. It's not you who is using the word of God to do all these things. Does that make sense? You are recipient rather than the agent of using the word. You are the recipient of the transformation rather than using the word of God to transform you. Mm. 
for example, when you're hopeless, if you are the agent, you, you, the word of God doesn't do anything for you because you're helpless and hopeless. But even when you're helpless and hopeless, somehow the word of God is powerful to change you. So word of God is the agent, not you are the agent. Like the spirit. Um, this, this spirit moves you. It, it mm -hmm. touches your core and then yeah. um, makes you move like. Um, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's why uh, they added prayer and the teaching, prayer and the word. Like, you don't know the word, you don't know the word unless you experience that power. You cannot say that I know the word unless you experience that power. Doing has a very uh, several degrees and uh, layers. So I was sharing in the group, like it comes together, um, meditation and prayer. So it's not like the word you read it and then you go away. It, you have to actively engage. The word has to engage you, sort of. Yeah. Make take you. The um, word moves you, so you take active part in what you're thinking or reading or meditating upon. So that yeah. comes yeah. along. Yeah. So when you say I put the word in practice, when you express it like that, who is the agent? I. It's a very different. Yeah, that's why uh, that that's how we are um, kind of conditioned in this world is uh, uh, I need to find things to make good use of that will benefit me, right? Um, and that's why uh, this whole notion of experience of the word it's it, it is often a foreign thing to many people. And so uh, uh, sharing with my group too, um, but once we've discovered this power, living power that operates within us, on us, then uh, it is uh, like the most valuable treasure, right? It, it's a precious treasure once we have really experienced that because it's so liberating because it's not something I have to produce, but it's, some, it's a, a real power that operates within me. Uh, yeah. then one challenge I was sharing is, uh, um, but when it comes to Bible, there's already for, for, so I said, we are blessed because I think we, we get a glimpse of this, right. Uh, in our weekly Bible studies and sermons, but for those who don't know the Bible, there's an ingrained cultural prejudice against it as some archaic, uh, document. And so, um, uh, just in my ministry, I always think about how can we introduce this life-giving power that's a very foreign to many people in the world. So, yeah. Yeah. Whose sword is the word? Who 
whose sword is the word? Is it the is it God's sword? What does scripture say? The word of God is whose sword? Well, basically, you have to first uh, learn the have the knowledge of the words, right? Yeah. <laughs> Without knowing it, you cannot even go anywhere. That's right. The sword is the word. St. Paul said, the word of God is a sword of the spirit. Right? It is not your sword. It is a sword of the spirit. Think about it. It is not your sword that you are uh, fiddle mm -hmm. It is sword of the spirit that spirit uses as a sword. So when you read uh, the word, the spirit uses that sword to cut unnecessary things in you, to build up, to carve it, to mold it, to shape it. Isn't it? Well, I was trying to put things into words when my group was discussing this mm -hmm. question. But from my experience, like whether you memorize and you meditate on the word, sometimes it doesn't have any impact until yeah. you, uh, what's a good word? Until you just surrender to the power mm -hmm. yes. then then the word of god works in you it's mm. it's what do you call magic mm -hmm. you can't you can't <laughs> i don't know i don't know how to put it into words i know i know i know what you're saying trying to say yeah the mystery yeah how it mystery. works yeah. How, yeah, how it works, it doesn't, you know, you can memorize the whole book, you can memorize verses, but it doesn't have the impact that you want until you just surrender and then you realize that that wasn't what you were supposed to do in the first place. Mm. I don't know, it doesn't make any sense, but I don't know how to put it. I mean, as Hajjong said, Sometimes don't you experience that, that word comes to you? Yes. Word comes to you. Yes. It's very... And that's, yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say it's very un unpredictable. Yeah. And you never know when it comes, but sometimes it just comes and then it's like ding and yeah. your entire mindset is flipped yeah. over. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not ding for me. It's like ding, 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 ding. <laughs> <Over years. laughs> but the thing is, it comes and then it goes just yes, as yes. mysteriously. Yes, yeah. but it has many it comes before. <laughs> so it's not that you memorize the words so that at the appropriate time you use this uh, memorized word. It's not like that. No. No. When you memorize the word, the word fills you. 
And then when the situation comes, sometimes just word comes to you. Words comes out of you. Or I, I think somebody put it like the Holy Spirit sort of reminds you, brings it to your remembrance. Once you've studied it and memorized it. Exactly. Something like that, right? Yeah. yeah. I think we have to explore that aspect of the word. In your life, think about it. That aspect of the word. Mm. Okay, so any question for the, for the first question? Okay, second question. Uh, they were all Hellenistic Jews. Situation is like this. I said Hellenistic Jews were only 10%, one out of 10. So 90% of the Hebraic Jews. But, but when you look at Christians, also uh, Hellenistic Christians were only 10%. 90% was Hebraic Christians at that time. Then when you uh, look at offering, 90% people gave 90% of the offering. And 10% or, uh, came from the uh, Hellenistic Jews. Mm -hmm. But these people gave whole control to the Hellenistic Jews. For example, until five years ago, uh, Korean uh, service had about three times, uh, four times more uh, finance, more offering than the e ESM. Right now, uh, it's, uh, it's just a little bit more but still uh, they had all this. And then they are telling the second generation uh, board or uh, session, you take care of whole finance of this church. It's something like that. In what way is it amazing? Well, I think our group had a hard time just articulating in what way it was amazing, but we all agreed that it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just that, yeah. yeah, that, that, that there's something about it too, right? That, that, um, that inspires and that, that would continue to grow that goodwill uh, that existed in the community that uh, when the spirit first founded it. Right. Yeah. How about the other group? Could you uh, articulate it? I think it shows the amount of trust mm -hmm. um, that they had. Yeah. Yeah. And the trust and the their um, adopted blindness to whether it was a Hellenistic Jew or Hebraic Jew right. or anything. Yeah. They just, whoever yeah. was the best seven people, these are the best seven people yeah. and they weren't yeah. looking at uh, the rest of it. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's uh, uh, the key, that trust. They trusted the Hellenistic Jews and then Hebraic Jews. And the, what they are saying is that the, the reason the Hellenist Jews were uh, kind of uh, 
did not receive this uh, daily uh, distribution was not because of prejudice. It was just simple administrative mistake. So we give all the control to you. And then we trust that you will not uh, do the same thing, that kind of attitude. So there was trust between Hellenistic Jews and uh, Hebraic uh, Jews. And then first generation and second generation, same thing. For us to coexist, we trusted. So uh, we shared all our finances. I mean, we separated our finances, but we share all our finances when the needs arise. Already, uh, St. Paul's, uh, in Christ there's neither Jew nor Greek, neither man nor woman, neither uh, free nor slave. That kind of uh, a strong bond, unity uh, was there. Okay, third question is about lies, false rumors, for false witnesses. Every church, every community, every group has this false rumor and the lies and all these things. What is the difference between healthy community and unhealthy community? In the congregation too. There are all kinds of people in the congregation and they uh, uh, spread false rumors for whatever purpose they do. Uh, uh, either they wanna be uh, better than others or uh, whatever reason, or they wanna criticize some people. So they uh, uh, spread false rumors. How, how is it different, a healthy community and unhealthy community? How are they different? A healthy community, I think, would seek to find the truth and to stop any rumors going around, whereas an unhealthy community would just like to get in on the mudslinging and, and perpetuate the rumors, I think. Yeah. I mean, all unhealthy community is a divided community, right? Mm -hmm. So when the false rumors uh, uh, is about uh, the people that you don't like, uh, then you continue that you spread the lies, false witnesses, and they uh, they kind of uh, absolutize that uh, prejudice uh, of a certain person or a certain group, and it becomes you're not sure you you're not sure at the end you're not sure whether it is a, a rumor or truth. There is no uh, distinction between rumor and truth. Uh, just everybody uh, is in darkness. But healthy community, they listen, but they don't necessarily uh, accept what they're saying. They just listen, but they find out the truth rather than uh, spreading it. So. Healthy community is a very mature community, uh, especially when they hear negative things about uh, people. They don't just uh, uh, take uh, their what they are saying at face value. They 
look at it, what is going on? And then uh, they kind of uh, stop it. So instead of letting their lies go flying around. Any other insight you have? Okay, finally. Healthy... Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, I was just thinking in a healthy community, you would have a lot more people thinking, you know, WWJD. <laughs> yeah. What would Jesus do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, last uh, question about angel's face. Mm -hmm. Helen says she saw the angel. Good to see the angels, eh? Angel space is uh, somebody that I like, like my favorite, my very favorite kind of personality. Is that what angel is? I don't know. Hmm? Oh, I, I said I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? I mean, we like uh, people that we like. And then I heard people say, oh, she's an angel. But at the end of the day, what, they, what he meant was, I like her. <laughs> <laughs> but, but there are general, general characteristics, I think, that, um, that like the things like people who are very generous, who speak kindly, they're um, you know, just their behaviors that makes, makes them very pleasant to see and, I don't know, brings on this angelic aura. Yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't seen somebody like that in a long time. I guess that's why it stood out. And that's Do you why think Stephen was very kind? I don't know. He was very strong. Mm -hmm. You are the ones who killed this uh, Jesus. And his message, you listen to his message. Mm -hmm. I thought it was somebody who doesn't have an ordinary human face, but. Uh, with uh, the glow of the, the power of the spirit, there's a certain confidence and um, um, yeah, confidence, power that does not seem, it seems more than just your average man. This conviction and strength. I'm, I'm, so I was trying to think about what the what they thought back in those days was an angel 
they talked, you know, often about the angel came and did this and the angel came and the, did that. The angels came and they said, you know, why are you looking over here? He's over there. So when angels appeared, they were always in awe. There was a bit of, uh, when they talk about the fear, so there was this reverence, awe in the face of these beings. So I don't think it was just a physical nice face. Hmm. What angels have they seen? I know men kind of mentioned it, but what angels did they see to say, to make a reference to an angel? The writer. Yeah. My reference is an angelic baby face. Anyway. Yeah, why would uh, Luke uh, use the expression like his face was like an angel? Well, the angels that came about always had a message, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe that's it. I was sort of thinking in this same line, like when an angel came, he came with a message from God. So mm-hmm. when, when they saw him, this is before he gets that the next chapter, his whole speech sort of thing. He he had a firm, bold message to give. So that's why they he has something to say that is a message from God. So that's mm-hmm. the question I got, but let's listen to. Of course, they didn't accept it as word of God or but. Or is that um, mm. Mm. boldness and assurance, calmness that he, this is this is the truth, and mm. he knows I have the truth. Um, yeah. So that's sort of maybe scary. I don't know if scare them. Mm. So I'm gonna say <laughs> sort of like what is God saying. Um, Mm. Of course, they didn't accept it, but I mean, they say it's angel, but in, in the end, they rejected it. Like I, mm-hmm. So that I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't. Um, they were I, so bothered that they had to stone him. Eh? Mm-hmm. So his presence was not necessarily pleasant presence. Was it? Well, um, in the Bible, like in Acts, it says, Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And then again, in Luke says, a, 
Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power. So, yeah, I think it's like what Hedron was saying. It's like confidence, somebody who has confidence, but peace, but full of Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes you meet people and, and you could, as Helen was saying, you could feel something about them. Um, but also, I think, um, actually, I forgot now, but something. <laughs> <laughs> very confusing to me because they see his face like an angel but want to kill him <laughs> <laughs> i don't know <laughs> they were jealous <laughs> i don't know <laughs> every time the the angel appeared it seems that they instilled fear. So the angel would have to say, you know, do not fear. You know, I've come to give you a message. But the initial reaction is fear, I think, born of awe. Like it's something so strong that they, that they pay attention. Um, and it's to be, um, well, lack of a better word, uh, respected, that it, it is something with such power that they pay attention to it. Hmm. I don't think uh, the people who killed uh, Stephen saw him like an angel, hmm. right? Like angel in the nice and they you know brilliant sense, or they didn't see an angel in Stephen. No, just his face looked like an angel. No, when you look at uh, uh, scripture, what does it say? In the scripture. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> the well, people who are who sat in the council looked steadfastly at him. Yeah, look at uh, Stephen, and then so the, an and then angel. they killed him, right? <laughs> <laughs> you look like an angel. I'm gonna kill you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why would they kill him? I don't know. He saw face like an angel. <laughs> he spoke the word and it was like the sword so maybe it hit them right mm -hmm. um, it convicted them and they didn't like that right he was speaking about um yeah well that's what i'm thinking maybe before he said anything oh yeah he said angel's <laughs> face <laughs> Once they started hearing what he was saying, then they changed their mind. <laughs> we really tainted the word angel in, in our understanding. 
That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Because we have this uh, very angelic image, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I drew an angel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think uh, Luke is trying to portray that there was a strong presence of God uh, in uh, Stephen. The strong presence of God. And in our lives too, when we have the strong presence of God within us, that will change our face. <laughs> Even though you have a lot of churum, uh, <laughs> still you will look beautiful <laughs> when you uh, have presence of God within you. And then you will have that charisma the confidence. Wait, that, wait, then the guy that I saw did have an angelic face. Then. Good. Yeah. Maybe because, he's an angel. Yeah. So, <laughs> we'll that. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, at the end of it, uh, what we need to reflect is what's inside of us. We cannot fake it. He shows on our face. So, I mean, after Wednesday service, this uh, woman was coming out and then greeting me and said, Oh, Sanim, <laughs> 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 she said, So it's not a matter of uh, right? It's not a matter of uh, taking care of you, how you look, uh, how your face looks, but what's important is what's inside of us. Uh, I think that carries. So when you look at some professors who really study so much, you can see that from their face, the loss of knowledge. Uh, so even uh, us, presence of God, when you have presence of God, will carry that presence of God on our face. Okay, so if you guys find angel, let me know like Helen uh, did. Angelic <laughs> face. Okay. Good. So any other question or insight? Okay. Uh, please, uh, uh, because we don't read the scripture, please read the scripture. Otherwise, uh, you'll get lost uh, in our discussion. So please uh, uh, read the scripture and then uh, I mean, Hajong, uh, thank you for uh, sending mm -hmm. us a uh, very helpful, reflective uh, comment, but uh, I don't expect you to uh, write a long uh, reflection, but I want you to maybe raise some simple question, questions 
uh, it could be factual, factual questions, but also it could be life questions that arise from the scripture. So if you could do that, uh, that'll be helpful. Okay, let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for giving us this opportunity to gather together every Friday and meditate on your word. May your word be on our mouth and may the meditation of our heart be acceptable to you. May your word convict us, inspire us, encourage us, empower us, and change us. We don't know how we change, but somehow your word changes us, O oh Lord, powerfully. We thank you for that transforming power of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, have a nice weekend.